At this time, please join me in the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who is conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sitteth at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and life everlasting. Amen. Now hear the word of God. But now, apart from the law, the righteousness of God has been made known to which the law and the prophets testify. This righteousness is given through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe. There is no difference between Jew and Gentile, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And all are justified freely by his grace through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus. God presented Christ as a sacrifice of atonement through the shedding of his blood to be received by faith. He did this to demonstrate his righteousness because in his forbearance, he had left the sins committed beforehand unpunished. He did it to demonstrate his righteousness at the present time. So as to be just and the one who justifies those who have faith in Jesus. May God add his blessing to the reading, hearing, and living of his word. Okay, we continue in the series on the Apostles' Creed. Last week, we looked at, Jesus, at God, the beginning of the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth. And today, we turn to focus on Jesus Christ. Now, the Apostles' Creed has been with us in some form or another, or another since the earliest of the church, when parts of it were in the process of baptism. With each, I believe, they were baptized in the name of the Father, of the Son, and then of the Holy Spirit. And sometimes when the world goes amok, or when our lives go amok, we need to step back and go back to our core beliefs and remember what we believe and why we believe it 
And for this reason, these next weeks, we'll continue with the Apostles' Creed and saying it each week. Now, God had a plan. And you can read about about it in, in Genesis and in the garden and how everything was good and and he created the earth and, and mankind and he put them in the perfect place with all that they needed. So all they needed to do was take care of it and avoid the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Wasn't asking a whole lot. I mean, they had everything they needed. Why would they mess with the one tree that God told them not to mess with? But they were tempted. And, and the serpent said, you can eat of this and surely you will not die. But you will be like God and you will have the knowledge of good and evil. Well, aren't we glad we did that? Wouldn't it be nice if we lived in a world where we didn't ha even have the knowledge of evil? We blew it. And the Old Testament goes on with times that God has blessed his people and times that they have fallen short. With God's plan for abundance and their unwillingness to follow him. But time after time, God has given us grace. But it didn't fix the problem. It only happened again. So he went to plan B. Well, we won't go in the flood. That was probably plan B. Uh, so we go to plan C. And that's Jesus Christ. Now, if ignorance was our problem, he could have sent a teacher. And indeed, Jesus was a teacher, the best. If the problem was just that the world was broken, he could have sent a healer. And certainly, Jesus was a healer. He, he healed not only physical issues, but he healed us inside. If the problem was relational, he could have sent a therapist. Now, Jesus, I don't think, did therapy, but he certainly told us how to live in peace and love with one another. If the problem had been poverty, he would have sent maybe Ernst and Young, Now, Jesus was a financial advisor. He said, give it all away and follow me. But the problem of sin was even deeper than all these things put together. And so he sent Jesus Christ. Now, when I was growing up and even a young adult, I struggled with this issue. I, I knew there was a God. I could see God all around me. I could see God in others. But what about this Jesus thing, this cross thing? If God was almighty and all in power, why did he have to do that? Couldn't he have just said, okay, you're forgiven. Go ahead. 
And it wasn't until I had a pastor that was an Old Testament scholar that it really sunk in that God was speaking to them and, and to us, but especially at that time in a language that they understood. We read in the Old Testament about the sacrifices. They understood sin, they understood wrong, and they knew they had really messed up and they took sacrifices, the purest of pure, to try to appease God, to give the, to find favor with God. And so when Jesus became the Lamb of God, it was a sacrifice, the purest of the pure. And in a language that they understood. Now, we have a little trouble relating to that because since then, we haven't needed that kind of sacrifice. We don't take lambs or pigeons because we have Jesus. In Acts chapter 2, I'm going to be reading verses 22 and 23. God publicly endorsed Jesus the Nazarene by doing powerful miracles, wonders, and signs through him, as you well know. But God knew what would happen, and this prearranged plan was carried out when Jesus was betrayed. With the help of lawless Gentiles, you nailed him to the cross and killed him. Wow. Wow. We had God with us. The word became flesh. And we killed him. Or at least we tried. He did die on that cross for you and I. Now, we talk about sin. Well, we don't talk very much about sin anymore, do we? It's kind of unpopular in the church. It makes us uncomfortable. You know, we know we're good people and we're trying to be better people. And, you know, who wants to be called a sinner? It just doesn't connect anymore. We talk about becoming whole, and certainly that's important, and certainly Jesus can do that. That hole in our heart can be filled by him. I know that well. But we're in a culture that just doesn't accept responsibility. They see the one side, they focus on that, it's somebody else's fault. You know, it was because of the the conditions they were born into because of their parents, because of the school, because of the government, you name it, and we can find a reason to justify why we sin. What is sin? You know, it's not keeping with God's will, but more than that, it's an attitude that, you know, God, I know what you want me to do, but you know, just this time, I'm going to do it this way. It's an attitude of saying, I am the Lord, my God. I, I heard uh, m many years ago, a, a gentleman that I used to work for was buried in his, in his song, in his funeral, he did, had the song, I did it my way. Please don't do that at mine. 
please. I want to do it his way. Don't you? I don't always get the job done. Keep sticking my foot in my mouth. That's my biggest problem. I need help with that. Another problem that brings sin into our lives is our ego. Now, ego, E-G-O, edges God out. When we start thinking how good we are, how big we are, how strong we are, we get to the point where we think we don't even need God, or at least not now. You know, if I, if I get stuck, if I get stuck, I'll go, go turn to God. But meanwhile, I got this going for me. And that puts a barrier between us and between God and between us and others. In Isaiah 59, 1 through 2. Listen, the Lord's arm is not too weak to save you, nor the ear too deaf to hear you call. It's your sins that have cut you off from God because your sins, because of your sin, it's turned you away. And he will not listen anymore. You know, we, we like to think of God as a, a loving God and an all-caring God and a helping God. And then I, he tells Isaiah, because of your sin, he's, Isaiah says, because of your sin, he has turned away and will not listen anymore. Now, I think probably we, we have all been in those points in our lives when we wonder, where is God? We may have prayed and prayed, and, and where is God? And, and I think the first thing to, we need to do if we feel that God is not with us, that God has abandoned us, that, that God has um, just ignored us, I think the first thing we need to ask ourselves, is there a stumbling block in our lives? Is there a sin? Let's, let's not put in nice words. Is there a sin in our life that is getting between me and God? Is there a barrier that I have put up that God is not listening anymore? Now, I'm not saying that every time that you don't hear God speak to you, it's because of sin. You know, sometimes the timing just isn't right. And sometimes the answer is no. And sometimes it's just not yet. So I, I don't mean to imply that every time you don't hear God, that that's the issue. But it's one thing that you should check out if you're feeling that God is not there like you think God should be. Now, we don't like being called sinners. I think here in the church we can get away with it. It'd be pretty awkward to walk out in public and, and have somebody come up and say, well, I see you're still sinning. You're still at it, aren't you? <laughs> Hope it's not that obvious. But we find ways around it. We try to minimize our sin. We, well, at least we haven't killed anybody. At least we haven't, you know, stolen. At least we haven't. And we compare ourselves to others. Well, I never did that. 
or you'd never catch me. But those are all ways that we try to soften our sin. You know, I, I tell you, if there's, if there's a gap, say, say there's a gap we want to get across out there to the hallway, to the, the flooring in the hallway, and you've been pretty good in your life, not excellent, but pretty good, and you come running and you go to jump that gap and, and you get three-fourths of the way and say it's thousands of feet down, you're gone. Now, if you worked hard all your life and you've been good and you've tried your best and you think, hey, I got this made and you go running, you know, maybe you've even been an Olympic person and you go running and you jump and you get almost to the edge and fall. Still the same distance down. There's only one way that we can get there and get across that gap because God is so holy, God is so righteous and we just don't, we just don't make it together unless we have a bridge. Unless we have a bridge that crosses that barrier for us and that bridge is the cross. And that's who Jesus is that makes it possible for us to go to God and makes it, makes it possible to be with God and have God in our lives, even though there is sin. Because first, there is Jesus Christ. You know, what we do matters. Sometimes it feels like it doesn't, but what we do and how we act matters. And if it didn't, we wouldn't matter. So we better hope it matters. There are people that don't believe, there are people in the church even, that don't believe that Jesus died for our sins. One pastor even said it was repulsive to think that. But I tell you what, I believe it. And I count on it because I'm not going to get there without him. I can't cross that gap. God is too holy. God is too good. God is too big. God is too perfect. And I'm not. And I need Jesus. I need Jesus. I'd like to turn to 2 Corinthians 5.21. For God made Christ, who never sinned, to be the offering for our sin, so that we could be made right with God through Christ. And Ephesians 2.8 and 9. God saved you by his grace when you believed and you can't take credit for this. It's a gift from God. Salvation is not a reward for the good things we have done. So none of us can boast about it. Oh, I'll be the first to tell you I'm saved. But I didn't do it. Jesus did. 
And that's why we need to get back to the basics, back to the beginning, back to things like the Apostles' Creed and say, I believe. Now, I left you at the cross a bit ago, but we know the rest of the story. We live on this side of Easter. And we know that he defeated death. We know that he came back and walked with his disciples and others, as many as 500 or more witnesses. Well, 500 in one spot, and, and I think the number was even higher, uh, that saw him and that knew he was there. And those people went and told others, and they wrote it down. And not just one book. It, Jesus' story in the Bible isn't in just one book. It, it's 66 books that point toward him. Not just one book. They compiled them together later as our canon, as our law book. So there, was witnesses, there were witnesses. There was testimony. But even more than that, and when I first, you know, really felt the, t the tug, the call of God in my life, I took a class at Goshen College, and it was kind of Bible 101. And the professor there said, um, at that time, the greatest way, and this is not necessarily a Wesleyan thought, but he said the greatest way to know God is through experience. Now, we put, in the Methodist tradition, we put scripture first. Um, tradition and experience and then reason. But he said experience. And I, at that time, didn't think that was right. I thought it was scripture only. But it wasn't until I experienced the saving grace of God, the forgiveness of sins, the, the love that he gave me when I gave myself to him, that I realized through my experience the scripture was real. It was as true today as it was the day it was written. And I knew it was all true. And I'm not going to let any church Episcopality tell me that it's not. It's time to let go of our sin. It's time to confess our need. It's time to dare to believe that Jesus died for you and for me. Shall we pray? Oh, gracious Lord, I just thank you for all that you have done for us, Lord, for sacrificing your son, Jesus Christ, on that cross. And showing us through him that we can live too. And because he lives, we have that opportunity. Lord, we are sinners. We are sometimes rotten to the core. And yet you love us as we are and you show us the way. And, and Lord, just help us to follow you to follow Jesus, to embrace the salvation that you have given us. Lord, I know that you don't make anyone love you. 
and I feel so sad for them because I know your love and I know how precious it is and I know Jesus Christ oh and I give you thanks in his name amen